We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blenderhead, aka Blender HD, aka uh, this past week, actually on top of you in uh, the large field uh, GPP contests. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Stuart Gibson of Advanced Sports Analytics. And this is the show that uh, we go over correlation, leverage, stacking opportunities, uh, especially for large field GPPs. And uh, and see how the how the the context of the slate uh, determines uh, what what directions that we're looking to go in. So uh, so Stuart, uh, I, I don't want to say who had a better better weekend this past week, but because like I know the answer already. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was on top of a few uh, a few people, but definitely not enough, and uh, definitely not enough to to be the fifty thousand dollar man. So um, yeah, I mean, congrats on sick sick week. Um, I mean, incredible lineup. And really, I think the, it looked like the core of the lineup was like stuff that we discussed directly on this show, you know, Jefferson over Minnesota chalk being on the Atlanta side, um, you know, interest in the Tennessee game from a run, you know, from Henry, from the Henry side, um, you know, so like, that's, that's awesome when, you know, we can, you can kind of discuss specific points on the show and I, and, and I actually watched some of your uh, kind of post video on, you know, how you used lineup HQ to produce the set of lineups that you did. And I mean, pretty incredible. Like, I mean, I've toyed around with some optimizers and stuff and, you know, have a decent feel for it, but definitely not to the extent where, you know, you were just able to enact the decisions and kind of choices you had made so clearly. Like, I think that, you know, was a really interesting video to look at for me. And, um, but I mean, you see, you see that I'm using the optimizer to simulate as if you were hand building, like yeah, you, that, would, you would place the, the correlations. Essentially I won by, uh, having the three leverage points in my lineup all hit a ceiling. 
that the, the chalk player failed, but the other guy did well. Like, and then the guy in that price range that was chalk, I had a guy that was better than that in that price range. And then he was correlated with the chalk piece and no one was playing that combination of like Henry Cooks as a secondary. They were playing the full Watson stack and I just got more value out of Julio and Jefferson. And then T Higgins like was four percent, like was barely owned. And since I'm playing a punt tight end, Trey Burton, why not put T Higgins in the lineup? And then there's the, obviously the defense you get lucky with. I mean, that's yeah, I, I, it's just whatever fits there. But, but that's why we, on this show, we talk about correlations How, and then you get to decide, like we will talk about like probably six or seven games today uh, that have, you know, a, a high total and you have to make, you have to fit the puzzle pieces together going here, here, here are the hundred puzzle pieces. Here's how they stack up in like priority wise. And then feel free to make your own choices and go, well, I think the field's going to do this. So I'm going to do this correlation. And the, and I don't think the field's going to do that. And do this. So that's why this is not the type of show where it's like, we'll tell you who to play because there could be a hundred different options and different lineup combinations that you go with. Uh, like our job is to, is to point them out and then, then give you the, the ability to uh, either with lineup HQ or, or hand building for the line, for the contest that you're in. Uh, you know, reproduce that process. And hopefully, if the outcome happens, you have a good shot at first place. Yeah. No, I mean, it was a sick sick build and um, very, very cool to just see how, you know, you put those thoughts into an optimizer and produce lineups that reflected the way you were thinking about the slate. So um, that's super yeah, and, cool. and if you want to try it, lineup HQ, if you're, if you're not a premium member, rotogrinders.com slash media slash ASA. The link is in the description below in the YouTube video. Uh, you get $5 off your, your first month of a core four premium subscription. And then you could build lineups. Uh, you could use it for us. You could lose it for 20 lineups. You could use it for a single lineup. And if you're using it for a single lineup, you should put it into the FanDuel single entry series, right? We have that coming back at, at Rotogrinders. It started last week, but you don't have to worry that you missed it, right? It's for week six through 13. It's single entry contests at three different buy-in levels, $5, $33, and $100. And the top four combined scores count within each buying tier. So you can miss, you can miss a week or two, right? Just the top four combined. And then the top two finishers in each tier advance to a six-man final uh, with the prize pool of $20,000. So uh, go go on, go on FanDuel. Single entry series from Roto Grinders and, uh, Stuart, so for 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 this week, uh, it's 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 we're getting this every week, Stuart. Where like there's eleven games and more than half have a fifty plus total. Do do you have the psychologically in your head? Because I know like in the past we'd see a fifty plus total and go, oh, that's a game to target. But now like the like the av like it's almost like a forty nine or or a fifty total is just average. And then we have we have like three games that are fifty five, fifty six, and fifty seven. Like, do we have to just get out of the mindset of like 50 plus is good because like that's almost the average now? Yeah, I mean, that's why I think like rather than looking at the raw total uh, and just look at probabilities uh, makes, I think, as much sense, you know, as ever uh, given these high totals. Like, you know, we have Green Bay as the most likely team to score the most points. And, you know, you look at that 57 total and that just pops off the page to you because that is a super high total. 
But when you compare it uh, probabilistically to the other games on the slate, I mean, they're only showing up as a 10%, uh, 10.5% chance of scoring the most points. And like that, the reason we see that suppressed probability, even though there's a super high total, is because there's a bunch of, you know, high totals on the slate. So, um, you know, I do think there is, you know, even more viability to kind of thinking about things not um, not only in a vacuum as like, is this a high total or is it not? But, uh, you know, how, how does this total, how does this, um, you know, total plus, plus spread combination relate to other totals and spreads on the slate? Um, and, and how can we aggregate that into an understanding of how likely a team is to really, um, you know, break, break the slate for you. And then compare that to ownership, right? Cause it's a matter of like, if it's a 10% probability, but it's going to be one of the most owned places, maybe you go down to an 8% probability. That's going to be not nearly as owned. Cause I think the Packers, uh, the Packers, uh, it's a 57 total Packers at Texans uh, Packers with a, a little over a 30 implied in total. The Texans with the almost a 27, 26.75 currently. Uh, this is going to be, po- I mean, I think the ownership is going to be spread out. So I don't think like anything's going to just like jump out and, and, and carry so much of the ownership in large field. The thing that I see in this game though, that's positive and negative positive on the Packers really condensed, right? I mean, it's yeah. condensed. It's, it's Rogers Adams. Maybe you throw an MVS or Tanyan maybe as a secondary or Aaron Jones as the running back. I think Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams have, have shown to be negatively correlated. So you're probably not going to play them both together. So you're probably going to play either a skinny stack with Adams or double stack with MBS, or you play the other side of the game. And Watson's going to be one of the most popular quarterbacks on the slate. So you can do Watson, Fuller, Cooks. You know, if Aiken's back, he's a, he's a cheap tight end. Maybe you throw in a Cobb. Uh, the thing, the thing is in this game about like stacking like two plus one skinny or three plus one double is that like you, what, what leverage do I get from it? Cause there's nowhere to me, there's nowhere else to go. Like, if you're going to be like, well, uh, Adams is going to be popular. I'm going to take, like, you're going to take who, who has a ceiling, like who's going to be negatively correlated to both Jones and Adams. Like, it means the Packers don't do well. I mean, just, just, and then if the Packers don't do well, then the Titans, the, the Texans probably don't put up a ceiling. So to me, I'm looking at this game going, going, how do, how do I find leverage here if I do want to fade it? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, MVS to me is a possible leverage play. Um, either, I mean, I don't know. I, I think the probably the chalky move would go be to skinny stack uh, Green Bay, you know, Adams plus Rogers and leave it at that. Um, I do. Want- yeah, but that would be that wouldn't that's that's what people are going to do. We have we have Devontae Adams at 16 percent projected ownership. I'm assuming that's going to go up a little. Uh, it may end up closer to 20. We have uh, Rogers at six percent, which is which is above average for a quarterback. Uh, we have, if we look at Valdez Scantling, I'm assuming he's going to be lower, but the two to three percent. So yeah, I get, I get it. It, it seems like if I'm going to do that, I need to play MBS because yeah, yeah the it, and anyone that stacks that game or has that combination, like it's going to be, 
it's going to be Rogers Adams it's, or Adams is a run back in a Watson stack. It just like, how do I get different here? Yeah. I mean, so, right. I, I agree. Like just Adams and Rogers are going to be chalky. I do wonder if there's one way to get leverage. If you do like Adams, uh, which, you know, I think makes sense. Like he projects well adding on top uh, Marcus Valdez Scantling, I think could be one way to get different from the, uh, probably consensus construction, which would be just Adams and Rogers. Um, you know, you'd also gain leverage against Jones, I think, with Valdez Scantling. Um, or, conver- I mean, I'm not sure that I'd really be interested in like an MVS Rogers skinny stack. To me, that seems a little thin. Um, but I do wonder, like, you know, take for example, last week we saw Tennessee. Um, I think Tannehill was a pretty popular quarterback play. Uh, AJ Brown, popular wide receiver play, Henry, popular running back play. But I, you know, have to imagine that the combination of those three pieces probably would have been less likely. And I know it's not, you know, quite apples to apples in that Henry's a running back and Valdez Scantling is a uh, wide receiver. But, you know, I do wonder if there's a way to be different in going just over overloaded on a team that maybe people might be more inclined to either take a skinny approach or take a, you know, running back, popular running back approach. Um, I I, I think, I think that the, 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 the more leverage way to do it Mm -hmm. is to take the secondary correlation and fade both Adams and Jones. Okay. Like that, that obviously that's the less probable situation, right? That, Mm -hmm. that Watson's going to be owned. Adams is going to be owned. Jones is going to be owned. Obviously, if in Watson stacks, you can get Fuller and Cooks. So it's not like they're going to come in at low ownership. But but a lot of Fuller and Cooks is going to be tied to Watson. Yeah. And the run back is going to be Adams or Jones. Because if you're going to stack Watson and he puts up a big game, you're probably going to want to run it back with one of, one of the Green Bay key players, not MVS as a run back. So why not do a, 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 just a secondary correlation in, a, in another stack and just go, I'm going to play MVS on one side. And I'm going to play David Johnson on the other side or MVS and Fuchs, uh, Fuller or Cooks, you know, like, and do that. The quarterbacks don't get there. The game actually goes under. It goes under the 57. Adams has a decent game, but doesn't get 100 yards. But MVS, maybe MVS has a 100 yard game. He could get us, he's, he's gotten 70 yard touchdowns. He has a, a three for 101 type of line and he's 4,100. So, you know, getting, I mean, he's three for 100. And one is 22 points on DraftKings for 4,100. And most likely at low ownership, uh, he's busting Jones and he's busting Adams in the process. And and you don't have the stack because if you have the stack, you you have one of those pieces in that busted. So like your stack doesn't get there. Yeah. Um, no, he's got, I think, really good uh, like properties is just a deep threat guy where he can, you know, completely wipe out a drive for any other players on the team. Um you know, Jones or Adams, you know, not obviously Rogers works well. Um, just, you know, one correlation note, uh, like Fuller has really, really strong correlation with Wat- uh, with Watson such that I'd be a little has, I, I don't know. I, I might prefer like Johnson, I think is an interesting call, but like Fuller has such high correlation with Watson. It seems unlikely that Fuller has an exceptional game in which Watson doesn't have an exceptional game. Like their correlation over 24 games since together since 2018 is 0.61. That's 
quite high. Very high. That's quite high. Right. So, you know, Cooks has Cooks has a 0.58 correlation with Watson, but it's over a six game sample. So, you know, maybe uh, we're just seeing kind of a noisily high correlation. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if trying to kind of get the, this game as a secondary stack, I might be a little hesitant to go with Fuller on the Houston side, uh, just because it seems unlikely that Fuller has a big game in which Watson doesn't. You, you really are just counting on similarly priced um, quarterbacks to really exceed Watson. Um, right. I mean, the concept there is that it's like playing the chalk guy as the one-off. It's like if they do well, like the stack does well. And I'm not playing the stack. I'm playing the secondary. So it defeats the purpose of me. If I played Fuller plus MVS and that gets there, it's most likely Watson. I'll need. I sh- I I should have had Watson plus Fuller, and then the people with the stacks end up actually beating me out. Yep. Yep. Okay. So uh, the next game on the docket, fifty six total. Uh, I'm not sure how popular this game. It, it, judging ownership, I know it's on a Thursday. So Jamino has uh, has initial ownership. I mean, you, you can look around. You can compute some yourself. Uh, you listen to shows. I mean, obviously, you know, you have some group thing going on. Uh, we have uh, the Cardinals uh, and the Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks with a 29.75 implied total currently. Uh, Cardinals 26.25 currently. And this is another game similar to like what I said about the Packers. That like with the Seahawks, like we, we know what it is. If you're stacking the Seahawks, it's, it's Wilson Lockett Metcalf, right? I mean, like. We, the correlation is there. Uh, and then like the most obvious side of the the Cardinals would be, would be Hopkins, but like, can't really you can't, do, you can't play that. That's you can't, how do you, how do you afford that? Uh, yeah. And maybe the 60,000 uh, salary cap contest, but um, if you're playing 50, yeah, it's going to be pretty tight. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you, you could ride, you know, Kirk had a big week last week, but it was really just two touchdowns on two targets. Like, I'm not sure that that is a trend that you can count on moving forward. Um, you know, I don't so, so what, so what exactly are the, like the top, the top scoring probabilities for both these teams? Cause I mean, even the, the Cardinals have a 26 plus implied total. So, I mean, I'm assuming the, the Arizona is not far down on the list. Yeah, we have Seattle at uh, 10.1%, second place behind Green Bay. Uh, we have Arizona down at 11th at 4.6%. Um, my fear with the Arizona side is that it's an expensive stack that like, so thinking just, I think Murray Hopkins Kirk would be kind of the most generic uh, stack is, you know, Hopkins is so darn expensive and Murray's not cheap either. Uh, it's just a lot to, in my opinion, it's a lot to pay for a team whose, uh, likelihood of scoring the most points on the slate isn't as high as some other teams that just have cheaper stacking pieces. Um, I mean, the Seattle side is an expensive stack, um, to me, just because the correlation properties of that Wilson Metcalf locket stack are so exceptional. Um, I don't know, might, might be, and, and, you know, and it's also going to be a popular stack. I mean, an average, uh, ownership cumulative of these three guys and Millie makers so far this year is 40, you know, almost 49%. It's a lot. I mean, it's expensive. 
it's uh, potential to be quite chalky, but the correlative properties of the stack are so like good and it's just not even close. Like there's not a team that correlates as well as that Seattle passing attack and by, you know, even a, even a small margin. Um, so it might be one of these high games where I'm just willing to eat uh, high ownership, eat high salary and try to get different elsewhere in those lineups. Um, as mentioned, it's going to be tough to bring back Hopkins if you're going with those three Seattle guys. Um, you know, so. And do you really want to bring it back with Drake? Like yeah. that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem like shootout three plus one style. I, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting more of the feeling that Drake is that if the game goes under Drake does well, like not if the game goes over. Yeah. Um, I guess so. I mean, oh God, he, he had that, I mean, his one big run uh, last week. Like, I, I don't know that that's super repeatable, but. Um, he's 4,800 on DraftKings. It's not like he's 6,000. Yeah, but I mean, you just, like, if he's going to, you know, just hit value by putting together, you know, uh, 20 rushes for 100 yards and a touchdown, you just really need one of those to be, I mean, that's great. I'm just saying you need, you need, you would like for one of those to be like a speed up long run. If he, you know, gets to 100 yards with a long of 16 and just puts it together by, you know, piecing together drives, you know, catching 10 yard passes to me, that feels like not a great speed up kind of script that would really help the other side. Right. Well, that's why I'm making the point of maybe you fade both sides and you play Carson and, and, and Drake, not in the same lineup, but I mean, one of the, the two, because I'm taking a look of like, can you make a Seattle stack instead of playing one of Lockett or Metcalf, you played more David Moore at 3,100. The problem with this, this, this slate I don't want to call it a problem. To me, it's not a problem. It's a, it's a godsend. So to me, it's whatever. Uh, I like these types of slates. I believe that very similar to last week, that the 6K wide receiver range, that 6K plus type of range, there's so many ceiling wide receivers. Like this, like to me, this is a four wide receiver week. This is a wide receiver in the flex for GPP type of week. And uh, if I'm going to, let's say, play a Seattle stack where I'm playing uh, Lockett and David Moore, right? A $3,100 wide receiver to lower that stack size, right? And then I could play Hopkins, right? Because now that I'm paying less, now I could run it back with Hopkins and that whole stack together is not like exorbitantly priced. The problem is that I'm, I'm playing a $3,100 wide receiver with a, re- with a ceiling of May- 16. I mean, like, I just think from a raw points perspective, perspective i think the opportunity cost at wide receiver a lot of times we i mean we've been talking about this all year about running backs and the cheap running backs and touchdown variants and all that type of stuff i'm i'm getting more of the sense that 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 opportunity cost while we normally in the past viewed it at running back how do i how do i play a 4200 running back how do i play phil Lindsay 4300 because then I can't get, uh, you know, Zeke and I can't get uh, Kamara and I can't get, you know, those types of guys. I'm viewing it as I'm looking at the wide receiver pool going like, I'm just going to quickly go Hopkins, Adams, Thomas, Ridley, Metcalf, Jones, Diggs, Cooper, Fuller, Galladay, Lockett, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen. I mean, like, like, dude, these are guys that could put these, any of these guys could put up 30 plus points on any given week in any matchup. I, I, I can't say the same about the running backs. 
I mean, 30 points. I'm not talking about 20. I'm talking about 30 points. Like they may, there may not be a single running back that gets 30 points this week. There may be one or two. So if I'm going to build a Seattle stack with David Moore in there, like it seems like I'm wasting the opportunity cost of the wide receiver. And then if I'm not going to get different in the Seattle stack and they're, they're coming in projected around in the mid teens. So we have Wilson as 10%, one of the highest owned quarterbacks on DraftKings, 10%. Mm-hmm. Then we have Lockett and Metcalf are both 15, 13%. And they're obviously correlated. So most of the lineups that have those guys in it, I, I kind of don't feel that if I'm going to play a one-off, maybe I play Lockett as a one-off, maybe one, maybe. But other than that, to me, to me, the, the, yes, the high probability play, the higher probability play would be play the Seahawks stacks and then find someone to run it back with. But I just think that from a, a large field GPP perspective, I think, I think it's almost better to just hope that game goes under, under and just play the running backs as one-offs. Yeah. I mean, a correlated stack is in like positive correlation is good for playing, but it's also good for fading. Like if it, it is actually pretty unlikely that like if Lockett has a ceiling game, uh, you know, Russ and Metcalf sync, you know, they're, they're, they're a heavy kind of combination. They, they, they sync together. Um, you know, they underperform together, but then they also exceed together. And so like, um, you know, it does give you opportunities to just fade the entire uh, game. I, I think uh, to me, the, the fact that there's so much positive correlation there, it's an either, you know, you play, you play the full stack, or you fade the full stack or fade the full game um, because of that positive correlation by, by taking individual pieces, you know, Lockett only or Metcalf only, there are kind of fewer routes to just the piece that you picked succeeding. And then, you know, all the other pieces failing such that you're able to like leapfrog, uh, you know, the people that have kind of the full, the full game stack. So. Um, Do you convince me, Stuart? I'm Xing them out. I'm X, I'm Xing out the Seahawks this week. <laughs> and I have no problem doing that. If they if they if they score forty points, then I lose, right? Yeah, right. That's just the way. To, I mean that. But that's you see the thought process. That's why I'm asking you. I mean, you 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 know much more. You have much more of the figures and models with the correlation. I I do it by feel, right? I mean, I get a sense of it. I do look at correlation coefficients, but I don't update them or anything. I'm just kind of whatever. Can I play this guy by himself? Can do I need to do this or whatever? But uh uh. Let's go to the, the next game, which I think uh, less people will be on. I, I, I think this is going to be reverse recency bias. It's the, the Lions and the Falcons. We're going to get some. No, I think it's actually going to be, there's going to be a recency bias play in this game. And there's going to be a reverse recency bias in this game. Lions, Falcons being played in Atlanta in the dome, 55 total. Falcons, 28.5 current implied total. Lions, 26.5 current implied total. Uh, I, I don't think people think that Ryan could do it again. Like, I, I, I don't, I, I think the line, I think, I think DeAndre Swift is going to be over-owned. People are not going to realize that he actually got let, he got just as many snaps as he normally gets in a game. He just happened to have a 54-yard run. He just got, he got one extra goal line drive opportunity. Like that, that's it. AP was on the goal line two other times and he scored one of them. So while the, the trend is Swift is moving in the right direction, there's nothing remarkable other than he was extremely efficient the last game compared to AP. 
And if he's going to come in, we have come in, him uh, currently projected at 9% ownership at 5,400. AP is 4,600 and at 1% ownership. And then the Falcons have been more priced up. We have Julio now at 7,100. We have Ridley at 7,300. They're still being projected at less than 10% owned. Like, so I'm not scared of the Lions defense. Uh, the only thing I'm scared of is Matt Patricia, you know, running the game out. If the, if the Lions take a lead, and of course we all know that the Falcons could easily give up points uh, based on the ownership. Like, why why can't I play? Why why can't I play a stack in this game? And it's in the dome, and people are going to be. I mean, Gurley has more ownership. Let me let me, let me take take a look at him. Uh, where where did he go? Yeah, Gurley, no. Because people like playing him. He always gets over in 12% owned. Gurley is more owned than Julio and Ridley at 6,000 because of the lot, because the, the Lions rush defense is horrible. Uh, this game, because it, it, like the perception is, I want to play Swift, I want to play Gurley, like as if the game doesn't have a 55 total. He's the, it's the third highest total on the slate. And with now that Galladay has been priced up a bit, He's only coming in at 10% as opposed to 22% last week. Like, why doesn't it make sense to, like, just from a correlation perspective as well as a leverage perspective of why aren't I playing Stafford, Galladay, Julio? Yeah, no, I, I like where your head's at with uh, the Atlanta side. I mean, it's um, it's an expensive stack, but, you know, you're going to get suppressed. I'm skinny, I'm said, but, 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 Stuart, I'm skinny stacking that, right? Okay. I'm playing one, I'm not going to play Julio and Ridley together. Okay. That makes sense. Um, you know, it's not historically hasn't been good correlation between the two. I mean, I'm particularly interested in the Detroit side, uh, you know, going Stafford Galladay. Uh, we talked about Hawkinson last week as being a nice correlative piece as where Jones and Galladay really, um, you know, contradict one another. They have strong negative correlation that makes it difficult to stomach playing them together. But, um, I think on, on the Detroit side, like, Aside from Galladay, um, you know, I think it, it's a it's a reasonably priced uh, stack. You know, you can get uh, Stafford, Galladay, Hawkinson for 18.2 combined. Um, the ownership historically on this stack hasn't been super, super high. We, I think it was probably pretty high last week. There was a lot of buzz around Galladay and, uh, you know, they obviously had, had a good matchup. Um but yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm intrigued by kind of this Detroit side, and especially if people are going to be on Swift in a big way, um, I think it's a good opportunity to get a, uh, I think, well-priced stack that maybe the, the concern with Hawkinson is he does lack like a huge ceiling. Um, and I think that's a fair and real concern. And maybe, you know, the approach might be to leave him off and just go Stafford Galladay and bring back uh, one of the Atlanta guys um, or like you mentioned, Ryan, an Atlanta receiver, and then bring back Galladay. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's some stuff to work with uh, in this game for sure. And then of course, I'm going to have my mandatory because they priced him down even further, but he's down to what? 4,400. I'm probably going to just, I'm going to have 10% Marvin Jones Jr. And just like, I just know those lineups are going into the incinerator. <laughs> I mean, he uh, even last year he he's been a pretty up and down, uh, pretty up and down guy. Um, but yeah, he has not looked very involved in the. But he's not very involved. He's playing every snap. He's playing every drop back. 
Yeah, well, right. I mean, like that, that's the thing that like, how do I not play like a guy that's going to be single digit owned possibly? And, and maybe not in the stack as a one-off he's, he is, he is four touchdown upside. I know because I won it. I came, I won big money on his last time. He had four touchdowns. So like, how do I, it's not like he's not playing. If you told me he was playing 30% of the snaps, I'd be like, okay, then I don't Don't bother with it. He's playing like 95% of the snaps and like literally all of Stafford's dropbacks. Yeah. I mean, he's just not getting looks like I'm trying to pull up his target share week over week. Um, and I believe it's been quite low, um, but you're right. I mean, he's on the field, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm, I never played kind of uh, football at a organized level, so I don't really have a good sense of just like, is he just not getting looks because of the way the plays are shaking out or the, you know, the, the matchup he's drawing and just like over the long haul, there's some steady state, like, like we project for one variable we control for is, uh, you know, targets per snap. Um, you know, do you believe like that, variable or just like latent trait you know how how often is a guy getting the ball thrown his way when he's on the field um you know is that steady over the long term or um you know is there reason to believe that because of the way the team's operating this year i mean it's more or less the same players at least in the receiving core you maybe you can make the case that hawkinson has ascended a little bit but like is there reason to believe that you know Jones's kind of targets per snap will stabilize in the near future? Is there something going on that um, you know? Uh, maybe maybe there's maybe there's an internal conflict. Maybe they don't like each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you see that, right? Maybe maybe Stafford has Jones by the balls, which is a good time to mention Manscaped, right? Autumn is in the air and Manscaped is here to ensure you don't carve your pumpkins. You get it? Carve your pumpkins when you're grooming. By pumpkins, we actually mean your boys downstairs. They, they wrote that. They, they thought that you weren't going to get, them, get the, the, the metaphor. But you get the metaphor. Your pumpkins, your balls. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your balls. And great news. They've released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. I don't know. I think they still call it balls there. So let's not forget about it's the best trimmer for your, not just your balls, for your butt and your body. The Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin safe when technology, which helps groom, which helps avoid and reduce grooming accidents. Because you don't want to go to hospital like that. That's very embarrassing. Their new Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer uses the same skin-safe technology when you're trimming those delicate nose hairs of yours. Very delicate. I, I don't really have... I, I'm, I have a lot of nose hair, so it's not really that delicate. <laughs> uh, the Crop Care Kit includes the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Yes, I said it. Ball deodorant. Everyone knows pumpkin spice lattes and ball deodorant go hand in hand. Not my joke. Crop cleanser, body wash, a full body wash that you could also use on your hair. Crop mop, ball wipes. You never know when an opportunity strikes, so you should avoid, you should always be prepared. You don't want to stink when you sit around that Thanksgiving dinner. 
I like I like that that we, we've shifted we've shifted holidays already through it. Okay, it's full full autumn. I guess this this will last you through Halloween as well as Thanksgiving. So if you suffer from stank foot, that is a thing. Stank foot, or you stand on your feet all day, then I have a product for you: the foot duster, foot deodorant. It's a free gift. The cool intrigue oil offers a pleasant experience for your stankiest feet and allows you to take your shoes off in confidence. The Manscaped Refined Cologne is a cost-effective way to smell clean and fresh for your date. The Crop Cleanser Hair and Body Wash was designed with aloe vera and sea salt to leave your skin clean, fresh, moisturized, and reinvigorated. And these formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, paraben-free, and probably Marvin Jones-free. So you can get your manhood you can make sure that it's in good hands. So get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code ROTO, R-O-T-O. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code ROTO. Make your balls a priority this fall. You like the way I was able to, I even got, I got everything in. I got everything into that one. All the balls, love it. Right, that's all, all the balls. I just want those balls to go to Marvin Jones. But maybe. maybe uh. So let's go to the next game. Uh, I think this this game, the popularity of this game is going to depend on one player. Uh, I I think it's going to go, I think it's not going to go under the radar, but I think it, pieces will go under the radar or st- like stacking combinations. I'm talking about the Panthers at the Saints. Uh, it's a 51 total uh, in the dome, 29.25 implied total for the Saints, 21.75, so fairly low for the Panthers. Uh, Michael Thomas is supposed to come back, but I, we've already heard that he's coming off a high ankle sprain, and apparently he's he's now nursing a, a hamstring injury. That's the reports out of practice. Well, well, no, if he's practicing in full on Friday and Saturday, then then obviously he's going to play. Uh because this is the type of thing, Stuart, where uh, with that high of a total uh, for the Saints, uh, I, you know, obviously I'd I like to know what the, the top score probability that you have for it is. But if like if Thomas is out, that means Kamara's becomes, you know, pretty good at 7,900. And then if Thomas is in, I mean, I think he's probably a little underpriced at 7,600 with that total. So I think it's going to very much depend on on whether or not MT is going to play and if the field thinks he's a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, do you think the field will be interested in playing both Thomas and Kamara together? Um, I think, I think people do. And I, I, I don't. Yeah. Are uh, they, are, would you consider them to be n- enough negatively correlated? They, they've had positive correlation uh, back through 2018, uh, 30 games together point positive point two correlation um i think well i don't know what people think but i could see the uh tendency to maybe you know plug in the idea that running backs and receivers negatively correlate uh they historically have been a pair that correlates well together um well it's primarily due to the fact that kamara is essentially a wide receiver that runs the ball so i mean he's gonna puck like breeze kamara thomas like Kamara gets his ceiling through receiving yards. So that makes the same sense of why like Lockett and Metcalf are positively correlated. 
Yeah, and they, I mean, they just account for so much of a share of the team's, like, red zone looks and scoring that, you know, when 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 one is pushing, you know, helping the Saints push the ball downfield, it inherently sets up elevated opportunities for either that player or the other to, to score a touchdown. Um, you know, I think teams, like, that are less condensed around the goal line, maybe you might see more negative correlation between running backs and receivers. Um, but there, you know, it's like if the saints get into the red zone, it's a pretty good chance that Kamara or Thomas are going to score uh, aside from, you know, the Taysom Hill gadget play. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a similar, uh, you know, hypothetical stack to the Seattle side. Um, expensive, but, you know, a high, high likelihood of their, their third behind Seattle um, by about 1% less likely than Seattle to score the most points on the slate, 8.8% uh, chance for New Orleans. They're expensive. They're likely to be fairly chalky. Um, they don't have quite as good correlation as the Seattle uh, threesome, but I mean, those Kamara and Thomas in particular just have access to ceilings that I think few other players uh, on the slate have. And it's not uh, super likely that they both achieve ceilings together, but it's not, I think, completely unlikely. Um, I think this is a game for me to be somewhat interested in um, and kind of would be just for the price point would be a preferred stack, you know, compared to like, Green Bay or Atlanta or, uh, you know, Arizona is kind of similar in price point. Um, uh, for, for me, this is, this is a stack that I'm, you know, reasonably intrigued by. Nope. I have no interest in it whatsoever. <laughs> All right. I like the other side. Let's go to the other side. Mike Davis projects to be the second highest owned running back on the slate. Both of the running backs in this game are going to be owned. Kamara is going to be owned. Davis mm-hmm. is going to be owned as a pass catching running back against obviously, uh, you know, saints typically have a good rush defense, but Davis's ceiling gets there through, you know, getting, you know, we're just going to discount the last game. He only got two targets and ex- assume that, you know, Bridgewater revenge game, right. Coming into the dome. Uh, Cause he used to play for the saints. Uh, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are both under six K. Uh, they're both currently projected under 10% ownership. Uh, I know that the sample size with Robbie Anderson on the Panthers is just this season, but I, I, I'm go I'm going to just ponder a guess that uh, Anderson Moore and Bridgewater is actually the most condensed target and volume and opportunity there is in the, in the entire league more so than Lockett and Metcalf, more so than than other teams, that if I'm going to play Thomas or Kamara, like if I'm, and then not, and then fading Davis at 20 plus percent ownership, why aren't I playing the Panthers either as a skinny or as a double stack? Because it's affordable, it's affordable and it correlates and it's leverage off of Mike, Mike Davis. So like I get the best, of both worlds and they're playing in the dome. So it could be a, you know, it's a shootout in the dome or whatever. Bridgewater looked horrible last week and we'll get some recency bias. We have him coming in at, at 1% ownership. Like I'm looking at large fields going condensed target tree, 
playing in the dome against a, a, a pass funnel defense. Like why, why can't I play two wide receivers at six? I mean, like the stack size is under 18 K for the Carolina side. And then I play the, the expensive piece, the Kamara, the, the Thomas and Mike Davis fails, but the, the, the game still shoots out. And doesn't that make sense? Like, I, I mean, yes, it's less probable. I always have to highlight with the asterisk. Yes, obviously it's less probable, but in comparison to the ownership, like that seems like a way that if that outcome happens, I scoot up to first place in the GPPs. Yeah, I mean, my fear with the Carolina side is like they just don't have a very strong total. I mean, we're projecting them at a 1.5% chance of scoring the most points on the slate. And, you know, granted these past, you know, pass happy, if, if the team, you know, goes super pass heavy, there are routes to that stack getting there, even if kind of the team total doesn't quite get there. Um I don't know. To me, it just feels like a, a kind of low total. Um, and there are at least teams that we have as more likely to, you know, score the most points on the slate that are cheaper. Um, you know, I think could come in at comparable ownership. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, a just l- ma- I'm just making the case. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not saying lock buttoning these guys in. I'm not saying that I go all in or whatever. Uh, if, if Mike Davis was less owned, I'd be less, I'd be less inclined. I mean, like it's, it's a matter of, I'm, I see it's condensed as well as leveraged. So mm-hmm. like if, if Mike Davis was 6% owned, I wouldn't be as, it's like, how do I bust Mike Davis lineups? Well, by playing the passing game, right? Like that's, that's, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. And then I could still play a chalky Thomas or a chalky Kamara. And that combination is, is not really, is not owned in the, in the okay. But I think I think we're going to talk more about. Uh, is this the game that you like? Is this the sneaky game? The next game that with the highest total fifty and a half. It's it, it open at fifty two. Uh, I'll, I'll preface this by saying this this is my favorite game on the slate. Uh, it, it's it's not the highest probability game on the slate. I'm hoping me and Stewart agree with this. No, I think I think we like this one. If you're talking about the game, uh, I think you are. Then then then. then. I don't want to sound like an idiot if I say it and you're like, oh no, I hate it. Are we talking about the Browns at the Bengals? Yeah. Yep. Okay, good. Browns at the Bengals, 15 and a half total. Uh, the Browns are our favorite. Uh, 27 implied total. Bengals, 23 and a half implied total. Uh, recency bias, Mayfield sucks. Okay, we get that, that out of the way. Uh, Kareem Hunt stands to figure to be one of the highest owned running backs uh, on the slate. And, uh, and that's about it. Every other player in this game is, uh, is projected to be single digit owned and it's a 50 and a half total. And this is one of those games, Stuart, that you would think I would say what I've been saying other games, you know, in the past of Bengals Browns, how is it 50 and a half? This sounds like, this sounds like a 44 total. Uh, the Browns have actually put up points, even with Mayfield playing badly. The Bengals can put up points, even with Burrow not being great. Uh, this could be a, this is, the, I consider this a wide range of outcome game. If you told me that that this game was 38 to 35, I would not be surprised. If you told me this game was 10 to 7, I would not be surprised. Yeah. So uh, I think so many are, are, are playing Hunt 
at 6,800 with no Chubb and the Bengals rush defense. But like Tyler Boyd is 5,400. T Higgins is 5,300. Burrow is 5,500. Like if I'm going to play Hunt, why don't I play the double stack of Burrow with them so I mitigate that ownership? And then if I want to do the opposite, now I'm getting leverage. So instead of playing Hunt, I'm playing Mayfield, OBJ, and Hooper. And then if Hunt doesn't get there, yeah, I get the leverage there. It just, just seems like this is the game that offers the perfect combination of if you want to play Chalk Hunt, you have correlative elements that less pe- much, much more or less people are going to play. Or if you want to get leverage off of Hunt, you have you it's right there. And you could and then you could run it back with a sub 6K wide receiver or a, a Joe Mixon, assuming that he's he's healthy. I think this kind of changes a little bit if Mixon is out, which makes with Bernard is going to be super chalk at his price. So mm-hmm. that the dynamics of where you get leverage may may change. But uh with you being excited about this, I mean, what are what are the, the probabilities that you have for for a team like the Browns, as well as a team like the Bengals. Yeah, so, uh, you know, not like super high probabilities, but they're just so cheap. Like, I think just relative to price, they are far more palatable kind of probabilities. So we have Cleveland at, at 5.7%, uh, eighth most likely team to score the most points. Cincinnati down at 2.3%, 14th most likely to score the most points. But... I mean, Burrow, Boyd, Higgins, you can get for 16.2K. Like that is, you know, over $1,000 cheaper than, you know, Roethlisberger, Claypool, Schuster, or Tannehill, Brown, Davis. I mean, uh, Dalton, Cooper, Lamb. Like there's just so many games that project comparably in terms of likelihood to top the slate that are just so much more expensive. Like, I mean, Higgins and Boyd have just been taking up like so much of, Cincinnati's pass game usage um, over the last four weeks, the lowest target share for either guy is T Higgins at 19.4%. So like these are guys that are just locked in at least over the past four weeks have been locked in to like 20 plus percent target shares. Um, you know, it's a game that I think, like you said, just could shoot out in a way that people aren't expecting, um, you know, and, Pieces that I think would typically slow this game down, like Chubb is out. So, you know, I think that is going to speed Cleveland up a, a decent bit. And like Mixon has been used more in the passing game than in recent years. I mean, you know, historically, I think Cincinnati's just been like a handed to Mixon and kind of grind out the game, but they really haven't been playing that way this year. Um, and then on the Cleveland side, I mean, uh, you know, they are, uh, like I said, 5.7% chance to score the most points. And, you know, Mayfield's cheap. Beckham's cheap. Uh, I mean, God, Landry has been pretty dusty so far this year, but he is super cheap. Uh, you know, Hooper is, I think, at a very, you know, efficient price given the volume that he's been seeing over the last couple of weeks. I do have concerns about kind of what his ceiling is. I'm not sure that it's super high. Um, but, I mean, yeah, if, if Hunt is going to be, the chalk, like I would just be super interested in going uh, Burrow, Boyd, Higgins, and then bringing it back with Beckham. Uh, something, something like that to me uh, seems like, you know, a really compelling, uh, you know, three, three plus one. Last game on the docket with uh, a 15 and a half total. So this has come down also two points. It's uh, Pittsburgh at Tennessee. 
Uh, Tennessee is the favorite with a 26 implied team total. Pittsburgh, 24.5 implied team total. Uh, really, the only piece of this game that is is garnering that much ownership is uh, if uh, Deontay Johnson is back uh, for the Steelers. He's 4,200 on DraftKings. And it's a small sample size, but if he's like, if he goes back to his what his target share was the first couple of games, he seems like a good median value. Maybe not the maybe not a ceiling play, but median value. Uh, Henry's ownership is going to come down at seventy five hundred, but it'll still be owned enough. He'll, we have him projected to 10 percent uh, against uh, you know the Steelers' run defense is probably the top in the league. Uh, from a leverage standpoint, I don't see much here because not much is owned. Uh, but from a stacking perspective, based on the probabilities do you have and the prices of the players in the game that would correspond to a an over, a shootout, like, it, it, am I crazy to say that I really, I, this is almost an X-out game? Yeah, I mean, it's just like not particularly high likelihood of either of these teams topping the slate and I mean, I think the Tennessee side, like there's decent enough pricing, uh, you know, on Tannehill, Brown and Davis, but um, I don't know. I mean, you can just get like Cincinnati, Cleveland for so much cheaper. Um, and I don't know, probably still a, a, a little bit less ownership. Um, yeah. yeah we, we don't, if, if you don't want if there's nothing to talk about, I'm perfectly fine. Just like, yeah, this, um, whatever. I mean, no, I don't have I don't have much on this game. I mean, there are, are there any other games because we we've covered the high total games. Uh, is there any other? We get to the segment now where we put everything else in a bucket and go. Is there anything that you see in the t- totals that are lower than that? Because obviously we have like the, the Bills and and the, the the Bills and the Chiefs and the, and the Chargers have like high implied totals while their game total is lower. So. Uh, like, how, how do you handle that? Because, I mean, you know, the Bills make sense. Like, to me, it seems unlikely that the Jets are able to compete and carry a competitive game. But, like, to me, a game, you know, a team like the Chargers, I know they're pretty strong favorites to Jacksonville, but they have a good total, good price, um, would expect, at least historically, have carried low ownership. But, like, yeah, like you mentioned, the the – the glaring flaw is that there's just high risk for it to be a non-competitive game. LAC in particular will run the ball, um, you know, if given the opportunity. I mean, is there, I mean, for you, is there like a tipping point where it's just like, you know, this game just has not enough chance of being competitive where, you know, just can't, can't be considered or. No, no, I go the opposite way. I think, what if? Because remember, I don't predict outcomes. I'm playing for outcomes. So, for instance, you mentioned the Chargers. Yeah. The Chargers are going to be owned. Like, the char- like the path to the Chargers failing is much higher than I think the field is realizing on the way that the Chargers play when they're ahead. Okay? And then Jacksonville, on the other side, doesn't have, like, how many run back? I mean, it's Chark and a whole bunch of receivers – but yeah. we have Hunter Henry projected 20% owned. Keenan Allen projected 15% owned. Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly combined at 16% owned. Shark oh. at 10%. Like they're high. It's, 
It's owned. If this game wasn't owned, I'd be like, I, I, I consider it. But then we take a look at the Bills Jets and like everyone is thinking, uh, well, that this is not going to be competitive enough where, you know, the Bills put up 40 points because the Jets have three because they have nothing. I think in terms of, well, let me take a look. All I have to do is take a look at the ownership, right? And this is a, 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 a let's let's go to the Buffalo Jets. I'm not saying I'm doing it, but dude, the high, Stefan Diggs is 4% owned. Jamison Crowder is projected for 1% ownership. Why can't I play a skinny stack of Allen Diggs Crowder? At that, at that ownership and hope that this is the one game that Adam Gase just gets out of his ass and actually actually doesn't run the ball 7,000 times, right? Why can't I play Devin Singletary in this? Like, or John Brown, if he's actually healthy. Yeah. Only because the ownership is like one. These are the stack. The ownership is ridiculous. I there's there's less paths for this game to do well, but I'm I'm getting the ownership discount on it to do it versus the Chargers, where I think there are more paths for it to fail, and I, I'm overpaying because the ownership is there. That's why, like taking a look like a game, uh, like Washington and Dallas. It's a game that I wanted to bring up. Uh, the yeah. narrative is that the Cowboys suck, right? The defense sucks. Uh, Terry McLaurin is going to be chalky. I'm, we have him currently at 15% owned at 5,800. He may come in at 20%. Uh, Zeke is going to get 10, 12% ownership, which at 7,800 seems like a deal. People have been playing him even when he was 30% owned. And then all the all everyone else in this game is nothing, but, uh, Cooper and Lamb are obviously overpriced on DraftKings. Gallup isn't, though. So, like, why can't I go for a vomit stack of, you know, uh, Allen, McLaurin, Zeke, Gallup, you know, something like something like that? It's less probable, but why am I why am I playing the Chargers? And so why am I doing why why can't I? I'm not saying I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that why at the cheaper price and the lower ownership that I I think there's more paths for this game to actually score more points than the Chargers game failing, you know, like that kind of the, the contrapositive of that. Yeah. So it sounds like you're kind of letting ownership projections dictate how you're handling some of these games that have unlikely routes to being competitive, but uh, you know, every game has some route to being competitive. You're, you're, it sounds like you're kind of weighing probability of competitiveness against ownership and, yeah, because I had the the Chargers and Bills were kind of two games that I had circled as like if you know if if they're competitive, like those are teams that I'd want to stack up. You know, the concern is that it's spread would suggest that it's unlikely or not as likely that they that they are competitive. Um, but there are leverage points in the game, so like I want to make it very clear to people watching and listening that like I may not x out the Chargers, but yeah. if like if Keenan Allen gets chalky or Hunter Henry gets chalky. Maybe I'm playing a lot of Mike Williams one-offs, right? Or maybe I'm playing a secondary correlation where I'm playing Mike Williams with DJ Chark, but I'm not playing the stack. And the same way that in the Dallas Washington game, if McLaurin ends up to ends up owned enough, like maybe I'm playing Gibson. Yeah, of course. Right, right. You say, you get right. You're right, Stuart. You're getting it, right? You play the, the guy opposite and then you correlate that with the cheap piece of the, the gallop on the other side. So I'm not, I'm still not stacking the game, like traditional stacking with the quarterback, 
but I'm getting the secondary correlation. So that's, that's why I like pointing out, at least on the show, like the bucket of games at the bottom where they still have value. And just like what we said in the beginning of the show, like with me, like I'm going to X out the Seahawks because only because, yes, it's high probability, but I see no way to get leverage. Like I just, I just seen like either I'm either I play them and try to get contrarian elsewhere, or I just fade them completely because to play them as one-offs just makes from a correlation standpoint, makes doesn't just doesn't make enough sense for a large field GPP. Got it. Yeah. I, I like the, I had kind of Washington circled as a interesting, you know, vomit stack uh, opportunity. I mean, I, I get the sense that McLaurin will be pretty chalky. Um, you know, I do wonder how many, if he'll be chalky as a single piece or, you know, how many of those lineups that are using him will be deploying him as part of like a, you know, Allen McLaurin Gibson. No, no, it still, I can tell you, it's going to be a one-off. There's not, there's, then, or it may be a type of thing where people play the second, the expensive secondary correlation. They're playing McLaurin and then Zeke opposite, mm-hmm. so using up the running back spot. But I, I don't think that's the best route to go because I don't think Zeke's ceiling, like if Zeke has a ceiling game, like I, I just, like I'm just paying too much for it. I, if I'm going to play Zeke, I'm going to play him as a, as a one-off. I, I, I may not even play Zeke. I'm looking at cheap pieces. Like I want, I don't want to pay up at running back this week. So that's why maybe Zeke gets there. You're right. Maybe he does, but I just, I, I'm not prioritizing. I'm, I'm much more prioritizing the high price wide receivers. I'd much more rather play Devonte Adams as a one-off or Hopkins as a one-off or, or Julio as a one-off or any of those guys up there than play Zeke in a running back spot. When I have cheap, well, I'll play Antonio Gibson at 5k. I'll play Kenyon Drake. If I need to, I'll play Joe Mixon. I think I got guys in the, in the five, the David Johnson. Fine. I'm not sure on this slate, uh, based on the projections that I'm looking at, uh, that the ceiling probability on the running backs is it, like Kamara has a ceiling. Sure, okay. I just, I just overall from the running back position, I, I just don't feel like I need, I, I should be paying there in, in large field GPPs. So to make the secondary correlation with Zeke almost defeats the purpose of why you know I'm going to play McLaurin Zeke and most people are going to play McLaurin Zeke. And I don't want to play a $7,800 run, running back. It's like, why, why did I make that lineup to begin with? Yeah. Um, well, that makes sense. I mean, his, his uh, Zeke's kind of rush share trend is, I think, pretty concerning. And, like, obviously last week was the, um, you know, kind of the pinnacle of that. But, like, it's been a downward trend really all season. Like, the gap between Elliot and Pollard is, uh, I mean – came to a near split last week, but has really been trending that way all season. So um, it does seem like a concerning spot to, to pay up uh, for him when, you know, I think there are some interesting options uh, at, at that, you know, I like, uh, to me, I much prefer a guy like Jones um, or, you know, going Kamara or something like that. Um, well, cool. Yeah. I got nothing else. Um but you got you got you guys at Advanced Sports Analytics. Got, you're starting a Substack. Correct. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. Um, yeah, we. Uh, I think this Friday are going to launch a Substack. Uh, think of it as kind of like an ASA light. I know a lot of our tools require a lot of manual user use, and not really sure that that is for everyone. I think sometimes people might just want the distilled output of kind of the most um, 
some uh, like summary metrics that we're looking at, many of which kind of we discuss on this show. Uh, and we want to create a format that, uh, you know, distills a lot of the information that is available on ASA uh, into a non-static kind of just written uh, and visualization heavy piece. Um, we will release the first one free uh, tomorrow. And after that, we're planning for, I think, a $10 a month uh, subscription. And yeah, I mean, I think if it's for people who probably aren't ASA subscribers, but would like to have access to the information that we have available on our site, but really don't want to take the time um, to engage with the tools, use them themselves, uh, learn how to use them. And like, that's fine. I mean, cause you know, time, time is money. Time is money, Stuart. It's, it's super valuable. And like, you know, I, I am able to work through the tools efficiently cause I built them and understand how they work. But like I get, we get that isn't for everyone. So, you know, we do want to put together a, a platform that has the information that's available at ASA, but in a, uh, you know, more, simple and kind of distilled uh, format. So you can follow us on Twitter to get more information about that. We should have some announcements coming soon uh, regarding that. So, um, and then your Twitter account, AS analytics DFS. Yes, correct. Um, I think probably if you just search advanced sports analytics, uh, I hope that you could find, uh, you know, pop up towards the top uh, as well. So you don't want to make it hard for people. People don't want to use the tools, right? You have to tell them where, where to go. Yeah. Um, no, and like, I think that's fair, right? Like you said, I mean, time is valuable. Um, you know, not everyone has kind of the time to Marvin Jones has the time. Marvin Jones is on the field. 95% of the time he has, he has, he can use your tools while he's playing. He's not catching any balls. He has plenty of time. (laughs) Yeah. Decoy, decoy Marvin Jones. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe this week's the week. Uh, we say that every week. We're going to be saying that I'm going to have gray. I'm going to beard by the time, by the time he gets there, right? By the time he's two percent owned at thirty two hundred, and then he has three touchdowns. When everyone got sick of him, yeah. Well, you could find uh, Stewart himself on on Twitter. Start Gibson. I'm Blender HD on Twitter. You could always you could always tweet it. I, tweet at me. I'm always in the premium Discord on Roto Grinders. If you have any questions and. Uh, and maybe maybe I go back to back weeks. And if, if okay, I've I've already I've won, I've won the first place last week. I'll 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 make it I'll make it easier. I'll take second place this week, and someone else, someone else could have it. I'll, I'll take the twenty thousand. Yeah, sure, sure. The rest of us, you know, uh, give give us a shot. Uh, oh, I've I've well, I mean, I've been playing Marvin Jones every week for the past three years. I've given I've given enough in that I'm finally I'm finally getting it back. Nice. So. uh so for, 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 for Stuart and me, that has been the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on rotogrinders.com. 